The thing that's holding you back is right between your ears. That's right. What's holding you back from achieving all the success you deserve is your self-esteem. Today's show takes you inside your own mind, and we're going to help you feel better about yourself, feel better about what you're doing, and we're going to give you techniques to maintain that perfect mental state so that you can achieve your goals now and in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Join me as I give you all the inside BS on how to improve your self-esteem on this episode of The Inside BS Show. Hi, it's Dave Lorenzo, and this is The Inside BS Show. We've got a great show for you today on how to improve your self-esteem, and this show is another sneak peek inside my inner circle business development community. That's right, I'm taking you inside and I'm sharing a portion of one of our meetings with you. Each week we get together twice to get into some of the issues of strategy, tactics, and mindset that are holding back great entrepreneurs, business leaders, and yes, most importantly, lawyers, professionals, CPAs, and all independent business leaders. So if you're someone who wants to grow and who wants to model behavior and business practices that others have used successfully, I invite you to join us in Dave Lorenzo's Inner Circle Business Community. That's right, it's my Inner Circle Business Community. You can go to this website right now, joindavelorenzo.com. That's joindavelorenzo.com. There, you'll find out all about our meetings, about our exclusive website for members only. You'll find out about our referral network. We actually send business back and forth to each other. We passed over $8 million in business in 2020 alone. We are looking forward to a really great year from everyone. There's going to be a great year for the members who work with us in the UK, the members who work with us in Canada, in Mexico, in the United States. If you're a small professional service firm owner and you want to grow your business this is the place to be because we not only give you the strategy, the tactics, and the mindset, we also give you a network of dozens and dozens, over 55 right now, professionals all over the globe who can serve as your office in those cities. In addition to that, these people will provide you with expertise in practice areas that you'd only be able to handle if you had a big firm yourself. So, Join us today. Go to joindavelorenzo.com, joindavelorenzo.com. And if you join, before the end of the month, you save $1,000. That's right. An annual membership is really cost-effective. It's less than $10 a day, but that goes up at the end of the month. We're increasing the membership dues at the end of the month. Pay one time, join for the rest of the year, and you'll save $1,000. joindavelorenzo.com. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is the number one thing that holds everybody back. People say to me all the time, "Hey, you work with entrepreneurs, you work with professionals. Uh, what's the, you know, what's the biggest challenge they face?" And everybody expects me to say financing or they expect me to say, you know, the hyper competition in the environment or they expect something along the lines of you know, how do you differentiate yourself? And sure, all of those things are aspects of it. But 
candidly, when you sit down with a professional, an attorney, uh, CPA, uh, even people who are entrepreneurs and they own a business that has, you know, uh, 10 people in it, they will tell you that they may not say it overtly, but the thing that holds them back is self-doubt. It's this, it's this lack of strong self-esteem. So my hope for all of us during this time together today is that you take away a couple of things from this presentation that you can do to help boost the way you feel about yourself. And if you can come away with some daily practices that help you feel better about yourself, you'll be amazed at the results that you get in your business. Um, let, me, uh, let me share with you, uh, why did that just happen? Come on now, I know why it happened because I ended where I started, here we go. Let me share with you, I wanna share with you now a couple of quotes that I really like about this topic. First is uh, Buddha right? You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. And the operative word there is your love and affection. And the reason that I like that quote so much is because it's very easy for me to grasp how much I love my kids, how much I love my family. But if you asked me years ago, if you asked me, how much do you love yourself? That would make me uncomfortable. That very question would make me uncomfortable. And it shouldn't. And that's the essence of what we're talking about today. Uh, the second quote there, people may flatter themselves just as much by thinking that their faults are always present to other people's minds as if they believe that the world is always contemplating their individual charms and virtues. This one is particularly relevant for me. Well, the three of these are, and that's why I'm sharing them with you. This is, you know, this, this actually, this whole presentation is really kind of personal for me because when I, when I discovered that this was something that was holding me back, it was like I was released from prison. This quote really crystallizes how many of us feel all the time. We feel like we're in the Truman Show. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie where the, the guy has everybody following him around all the time and his whole life is on TV and he doesn't realize he's on TV. We feel like we're in the Truman Show and we know it, right? We feel like everybody's watching everything we do and that everybody's criticizing everything we do and that everybody's thinking about that thing that we screwed up or how often we screw up. And the reality is nobody's thinking about us. Nobody's thinking about me. I mean, you know, nobody thinks about us as much as we think people think about us. And that's actually a good thing because the amount of times that I screw up throughout the course of a day, never, never mind the course of my life, I don't want people thinking about that all the time. So we need to take a step back and realize that Nobody's got a microscope on us or our activities 24, 7, 365. In fact, maybe people see and realize three to 5% of the things that we do throughout the course of our, of our lives. And when you start to think about that only you are the person who views and judges every single activity, 
it makes you feel a little bit better about the way things are in your life. And we're going to really hone in on that when we, as we spend our, our time together today. The, the final point is one that I really, um, that really resonates with me, the final quote, and that's the worst loneliness is to not be comfortable with yourself. And for me, I think this is one of those things where I have to feel good about myself in order to give the best speech I possibly could give if I'm, if I'm giving a presentation to someone. In order for this session to be really great for you guys, I have to feel good about myself. Now, at the beginning, when you first really begin to focus on your own self-esteem, you may only feel good with the content. Like the, using the example of this presentation, I may only feel good about the content, like I have mastery of the content or the content delivery. And that's enough to get by and deliver value. But when someone's in front of a group and they feel good about themselves, it just oozes out of them and they're much more generous in how they share and much more comfortable with expressing vulnerability so that people can really and truly learn from them. And this will manifest itself in your day-to-day -day activities as well. You will find that the more comfortable you become with yourself, the easier it is to look past some of the flaws or some of the stupidity of other people. And you know that you come across clients or people in your day-to-day -day life who do things that, you know, if you don't feel good about yourself, they just aggravate the living crap out of you. And in reality, that's all about them. It's not about you. As long as you feel good about yourself, a lot of that stuff is just going to roll off your back. So we're going to just touch on this topic today. And I hope that down the road, we get into this in more detail. I hope you find this stuff valuable because to me, in my experience working with successful professionals like yourselves, this single area, your own self-esteem, how you feel about yourself and how that affects your ability to present yourself to the world, that single topic will have a greater impact on your success in everything than anything else we can possibly work on together. So let me give you, let me share with you a handful of insights that I've uncovered from working on myself as well as working with other people who are successful just like you in your industries. Uh, as always, the logistical slide is here. Use the chat feature. If you have a question, use the chat feature. I'm happy to have a discussion, but I need to know that you wanna discuss something. So pump it into the chat. You can put your question in there or you can say, I have a question and I'll unmute you. Uh, we're gonna go for about 40 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. I'll take questions for as long as you like. You've got my contact info. All right, now, when you think about yourself, if you close your eyes and you have a mental image of yourself, what, is your, what does that picture look like? So I did this for, for me personally, right? And for me personally, does it look more like the gentleman in the suit or does it look like the guy who should be part of wrestling? And you know, there are days when I feel like the guy in the, in the teal Nike track suit, um, but 
I want to be the guy in the, in the suit on the left, the well put together guy. That's my mental image for myself. For you, how you think about yourself, the picture you have of yourself is really all that matters. So if this guy on the right, the guy in the tracksuit, thinks he, of himself as the guy in the business suit, he's gonna carry himself in a way that will be magnetic to people regardless of how he looks. And that realization alone, what goes on between your ears affects how people see you, that realization alone is incredible. When you have that breakthrough, it's amazing how things in your life can change. So the point of this and the point of starting the presentation with this is twofold. First, your image of yourself, whether you think of yourself as the guy on the right or you think of yourself as the guy on the left, women who are on, if you can picture the female version uh, of the person on the right and the female version of the person on the left, Whatever your mental image is, that's what you will project to the world. And when people spend a couple of minutes with you, regardless of how you look externally, they will really begin to see, but more importantly, begin to feel what that mental image really is. And when you really believe that, when that becomes part of who you are, it makes all the difference in the world. All right. What's the success that you're most proud of? What's your most amazing success story? And if we have time today, I'd love to hear some of those at the end of, uh, of our conversation. We can definitely get into this and, I, and I'll definitely hear some of these on Friday when we're, when tomorrow, when we're together for happy hour. But I'll tell, you, uh, I'll tell you my story and I'll tell you why that story is so important to me. So from a business perspective, my most amazing success story is uh, one that I've only, I've only written about it one time and it's in my last book and I don't think I've ever told it from the stage. So even those of you who know me quite well, you may never have heard this story before. When I first started with the Gallup organization, I was brand new to consulting, and one of the things they told me was, you got through the interview process, we'd like you to start up our New York office because you've had success in building a business in New York, but in order to be a consultant, you have to have an advanced degree, so we need you to go back to graduate school. So uh, it's, you know, now it's probably, it's exactly 2002. It's uh, March of 2002. And I had been out of school for, out of, since graduating college, it probably was 13 or 14, maybe 15 years. And I re-enrolled uh, in college to go back to grad school. And I knew I had two uphill years in front of me. And the CEO of our company came to my office. It's literally my first month on the job. And in my office, it was pretty much me and a couple of people who were consultants, but they were working on projects outside of New York because New York had no business at the time. And he said, he sat down in the office and he said, listen, Dave, we've taken on this office space. We believe in you and we know you're gonna build a big business for us here in New York, but I have a favor to ask of you. 
And then, and this is the CEO of, uh, of a company that had a storied brand and he served on the board of several other companies. His, uh, he was the chair of the Thurgood Marshall Scholarship Foundation, very well respected in Washington, DC, where Gallup's headquarters is. And he sits down, he's sitting in this tiny rented, uh, like a we, it'd be like a WeWork now. It wasn't, WeWork didn't exist then, but it was shared space. And he says, I, I need you to do something for me. He said, my brother-in-law was our senior scientist when we started this business. And he helped me go out and get some of our first few clients. And one of our first clients was Ann Taylor Stores. He said, we did business, uh, we did business strategy work for them, but the, the big revenue came from our selection tools, the interviews we built for Ann Taylor to help them select store managers. They, never, they didn't select anyone into their organization at the retail level who didn't go through one of our interviews and they really valued what we were doing with them. He said, my sister and my brother-in-law got divorced. My brother-in-law left the company. He started a competing company and he took two clients with him. One of them was Ann Taylor and they're headquartered here in New York. I want you to do everything you can to get Ann Taylor back into the fold as a client. And if you can do that by July 1st, keep in mind this is the end of March. If you can do that by July 1st, I'll pay you a $50,000 bonus because this is so important to me. This guy humiliated my sister when he divorced her and he humiliated me by starting a competing business women's retail other than my sister had worked in women's, women's retail. So what did I say? I said, of course, absolutely. No problem. I'll get right on it. And I did everything I could. I killed myself. Long story short, Ann Taylor signed a $5 million contract with us on June 30th of that year. So in April, May, June, in three months, I had landed a $5 million account. And it was only the second account that I had brought into the firm. And once I did that, I realized exactly what I had done. And let me explain exactly what I had done. The average uh, sales cycle in consulting is probably somewhere north of two years. The average sales cycle at Gallup at the time was like 19 months. The first engagement, the initial engagement of anyone in consulting with Gallup, the average initial engagement was $250,000. Now, for us, you know, a $250,000 engagement would barely, you know, would barely be enough to make our profit margin goals because we were, you know, consulting was, was very labor intensive and we had overhead, particularly in New York. But I had managed to get a $5 million account when the, when the average initial engagement, brand new engagement with, with this company, you know, I managed to get a $5 million account when the average engagement was 250 uh, initial engagement. And I had done it in three months when the average sales cycle was 18 months or 19 months. So they fly me down to DC in July to uh, an all employee meeting and they want me to stand up there and explain to them what the, the secret 
to doing this was, what the secret to my success was. <laughs> and I simply looked at him and I said, you guys are gonna be really disappointed. The secret of my success in, in landing this $5 million account was three months, in three months was that I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do it. I didn't know that it couldn't be done. I didn't know that it was supposed to be impossible. <laughs> Basically, you told me to do it, I believed I could do it, and then I just went out and did it. Now, did I, did I do a lot of activity? Was there a lot of activity involved? Sure. Did I hustle like crazy? Yeah. But did I have some secret knowledge? Was there something special that made me different than anybody else? The only thing that was different was that I thought it was easy. I thought I, I, thought I absolutely could do it. And that belief in myself is what drove me to do all the things that I did to land this business. Now, why am I telling you this story? And why am I starting our time together today by telling you this story? Well, anytime that I realize that I need a little bit more revenue in my business, or anytime that I realize that I want to do something and it's gonna take financial resources to do it, or quite candidly, anytime I pitch a big piece of business and I fail, I think about this story because I'm the same person that did that all those years ago. In fact, I'm actually better now than I was back then. I know more now than I did back then. I am more comfortable with myself these days than I was back then. That story is one of the stories that gets me through the most difficult times that I have in my business. I have a similar story, which I'll share with you at a different time, for my personal life. For example, for each of my kids, when I have a difficult time with my kids, I have a similar story that I can reflect on with each of my kids for how you know we did something together that was amazing, that really showed, demonstrated the strength of our relationship. I have a dozen similar stories for my, for my wife when I go through tough times or when we go through tough times in our relationship. And I think about those stories and I remember that I'm that person. So if you take nothing away from our time together today, you need to think about your most successful story in the aspect of your life where you're struggling and realize you are that person. People can't change that. You can be that person anytime you want. That is powerful and it is incredibly valuable. So when you tell yourself this personal story, there's four things I want you to ask yourself. What were the variables that existed? What were the, what were the obstacles that were there that you overcame? And how do those variables compare to the, those obstacles compare to where you are right now? How did you push yourself? How did you stretch yourself to make the results happen during that difficult time or during that, that, during, that er, uh, during that era when you were successful? What's holding you back right now from doing that same thing? What's preventing you from doing that same thing? You're gonna find that whatever's preventing you from being that person or from, from achieving that success is inside of you. And if you could just convince yourself that you are the same person you were when you had that success, 
you can get through whatever obstacle is in front of you right now. All right, this is more of an assignment than it is a point in the presentation. You have a number of different roles in your, in your life, right? You may be a father or a mother, you may be a sibling to somebody, you may be a spouse or someone's significant other. Uh, you're definitely a business owner, right? And you're definitely friends with someone. You're probably neighbors with people. I want you to take each of these roles, and you may have other roles too. You may be a baseball coach, or you may be uh, you know, a volunteer in your church or something. Take all the roles that you have, list them out, and then list everything positive that you bring to the table in each of those roles. I don't want the negative. I want only the positive. So if you're a dad, list all of the positive qualities you have as a dad. If you're a sibling, list all of the positive qualities you have as a brother or a sister. You're somebody's spouse or somebody's significant other, list all of those positive qualities. As a business owner, list all of the positive qualities. And here's the, the really interesting thing. You're gonna find that you may get three or five in, in some areas you may only get one or two positive qualities at first. In other areas, you're gonna have a dozen or more, three, five, 10. The really interesting aspect of this exercise is if you do this and then you set it aside, throughout the course of the rest of the day today, you're gonna to come across more positive qualities. I want you to go back and add to that list. The way that I do this is I have my clients take a legal pad and write the role at the top of the page on the legal pad. If you have five roles or six roles or seven different roles you play in your life, then list the qualities you can think of that are top of mind right now on each page of the legal pad. And then throughout the course of the rest of the day, keep the pad with you within arm's distance and add qualities to it. You can even do this if you have a small notebook. And the reason I want you to do this, and I want you to carry this around with you, we got a holiday weekend coming up, have this with you or within arm's distance throughout the entire weekend. And then I want you to add the qualities as you think of them throughout the entire weekend and then reflect on the whole thing on Monday, and we'll start off our time together on Tuesday, just having a brief discussion about it. Of course, if you don't feel comfortable discussing it, I can't make you discuss it. But here's what will end up happening. I'm gonna reveal to you the way the movie ends, okay? You can do this exercise right now when we finish our presentation today, and you'll find that you'll list three or five qualities for each. And then your kids will come into your office or you'll go home and connect with your kids and you'll think of two or three other things while you're with them and you'll write those down on the pad. And then your wife is going to ask you to do something or your husband is going to ask you to do something around the house. You'll do that and you'll think of three or four other things, other positive qualities that you have. And then one of your clients is going to call you maybe on a Saturday and he's going to ask for a special piece of advice. And you'll think to yourself, oh, there's three other things that I didn't write down. And you'll write those down. The act of discovering these positive qualities is what I'm looking for. I want you to realize how good you really are 
in all of these roles because your behavior in each of these roles has become a reflex. It's become natural. So you don't take note of all the great stuff you do in each of these different roles that you have in your life. By forcing you to write things down, I'm getting you to focus on the positive. You know, I'll tell you uh, a little, another little story. Um, I am, uh, I'm really tough on my son. And I'm tough on my son in sports, in sports, and in, in, in every other aspect of life, not so. But in sports, I'm very, very hard on my son. And I'm hard on him because of the baggage that I carry around. Because, you know, I, I had some skill as an athlete all the way through high school, but I never really broke through and had the success that I thought I should have had. So, and I'm also a very competitive person. So I tend to lapse into the mode where I push my son very, very hard. And then instead of rewarding the effort, I tend to rely on the outcome. And when I recognize that in myself, I feel very bad. And I promise myself that I'm going to correct that behavior so it doesn't harm my son's self-esteem. It's particularly valuable for me in that moment when I feel bad about how I behaved in coaching my son in whatever sport he's in. It's particularly valuable for me to go and make a list of all of the positive things that I bring to my relationship with my son. And when I sit down and talk with my son, it's amazing how he will focus on all of those positives while I'm obsessed with that one negative event. And if I don't ever bring up that negative event again, that'll just be a blip on the radar screen of our relationship. So in those moments where my self-esteem as a dad could take a serious hit, I have to recover, I have to protect myself by falling back on all of the positive things that I bring to that role in my life. So that doesn't excuse my crappy behavior. That doesn't mean that I don't try to correct that behavior in the moment. And over the years, I have gotten better at that. All it does is it keeps me from giving up on trying to be the best dad I can be. Now, take this exact exercise and apply it to all the other aspects of your life. And from that perspective, Apply it to the business owner aspect of your life and you'll realize that that business owner aspect is just one part of the whole of who you are. And you'll also realize that the screw up that you had in business was a small part of that part of the whole. And when you have that perspective, when you gain the perspective that this type of an exercise can give you, you feel so much better about yourself because you know that a lack of success in one area is temporary, but even more so, it's just a small part of your life as a whole. We as human beings focus too much on the negative and too little on the positive. So 
take a legal pad, write down all of the roles that you play in your life at the top of different pages of the pad. You can put the pad in a folder if you don't want people seeing you doing this. Keep that pad within arm's length of you throughout the holiday weekend, this weekend coming up, and write down all the positives that you bring to the table in these aspects of your life. And then prepare to review them on Tuesday. You don't have to review them with the group if you don't want to, but I want you to review them with yourself. I think you're gonna find this an incredibly valuable exercise. All right, immediately helping someone. Whoops, sorry about that. If you want to really improve the way you feel about yourself, teach somebody something. This is uh, the great part about volunteering to be a coach. Whether you have kids or not, uh, someday when you can actually interact with people in person, being a coach or volunteering to be a teacher, like if you teach Sunday school or uh, volunteering to teach a subject in uh, you know, some type of a program, it helps you feel good about yourself. If you volunteer to be a mentor and provide guidance to people, it will help you boost your self-esteem. The main thing I want you to do, <clears throat> if you decide that you're going to take this to heart and you're going to teach one of your kids something or teach a friend something, you know, even something as simple as teaching someone how to, how to uh, swing a golf club and hit a straight drive is incredibly valuable. I want you to explain why the thing you taught was so valuable. I want you to explain it to the person you're teaching it to. And then I want you to sit back and think to yourself why that advice was so valuable to them. For example, today, I've got 10 of you on, uh, on with me today. And we're talking about self-esteem. And I'm sharing some exercises that I've done over the years and that I've helped my clients do over the years. And the reason that's so valuable is because if I help one person feel better about themselves, I could change the course of their business and potentially change the course of their life because they will take away some of these exercises that they can do that can help them get through some tough times. That's why that's valuable. Now, in explaining that to you, I reinforce the value that I'm providing to you to myself. This is the reason that teaching is one of the best ways to boost your self-esteem. When you share value with others, you reinforce the value you have in and of yourself. It's incredible. I highly encourage you to spend some time each week teaching someone else something, anything. It can be how to clean the engine of a car. It can be how to bake a cake. Teaching reinforces your value to others and it makes you feel better about yourself. Keep a results list. You've heard me say, those of you who have been to some of my productivity presentations, that to-do lists are useless because they make you feel guilty at the end of the day. You leave your office at five o'clock or you shut down your, your work stuff at six o'clock or seven o'clock, whatever time there is, uh, it is that you're done and you've got a list of crap in front of you and half of it's not checked off. So you feel miserable about the stuff that's not checked off. That is bad. 
I'd rather you, or in addition to your to-do list, I'd rather you keep a results list. I'd like you, over the course of the next work week, you can start next week or you can start tomorrow and replace tomorrow with Monday if you're not gonna work on Monday. I'd like you to go hour by hour. You can do this in your calendar if you want, or you can do it on a sheet of paper. And I want you to write down what you accomplished, something you accomplished, anything valuable that you accomplished for each hour of your workday for one week. And then I'd like you to review the results. You will be amazed at how this transforms your outlook compared to your to-do list, your productivity. You can still have a to-do list. I would encourage you to make a list of outcomes that you want to achieve for the week and then keep track of your results hour by hour. When you focus on results, you do a number of things. You reinforce that you're more productive than you thought you were. You reinforce the value you provide. You force yourself to provide value every hour because you know you're recording it and what's measured, what's, what's measured is managed and what's managed gets done. And the most important thing, you boost your self-esteem because you realize that you're far more productive than you thought you were. So what did you do in the last 60 minutes? Write it down, review it every night, and then review it first thing in the morning the next day. And the reason I want you to review it at night is because I want you to go to sleep thinking about how great you were today. And then I want you to review it in the morning when you wake up because I want you to try and beat that level of success today, beat yesterday's level of success again today. Can you make today even better? That's beating the level of success. The most important thing, the most important question to ask yourself, and I highly recommend you do this, the last thing before you fall asleep, I literally do this while I'm drifting off to sleep every night after I turn off like Seinfeld or King of Queens or whatever it is I'm watching before I fall asleep. I turn off the TV. As I fall asleep, I think to myself, who did I help today and how did I help them? And I literally drift off to sleep thinking about the answer to this question. I find that I sleep better. I find that I don't have as many nightmares although the coronavirus nightmares are starting to creep in a little more and more, I gotta be honest. But the who have you helped question is so powerful for making you feel better as you go to sleep. And you'll find that you wake up in a good mood the next morning. Just do, if you don't do anything else from our time together today, do this one thing. When you're falling asleep at night, reflect on who you helped throughout the course of the day on the positive side, who did you help? And you know, family's always gonna be first. You're gonna think about how you helped your wife or your husband, how you helped your kids, how you helped your brother or your sister, and then you'll drift into work, how you helped one of your partners, how you helped one of your clients, how you helped some random person who called on the phone. All of those things reinforce the value you provide. They reinforce who you are, and it's incredibly powerful for affecting how you feel about yourself. Then in the morning, when you wake up, the first thing you should ask yourself is how can I help even more people today? What can I do today to help even more people? 
so that when I go to bed tonight, this is the one thing that I think about. These, these two exercises, these two questions make all the difference in the world. How can I help more people today? This particular question, how can I help more people today? When you embed it in your subconscious, it makes it easy for you to sell your services because you're on the phone with someone, they've expressed a problem, you know you can help them, you wanna help them so that you can think about how great you were today in helping them, all they need to do is write you the check. Worthiness. In June, one of the topics we're going to cover in detail is fees and how you can increase your fees, how you can restructure your fees in your behavior. And with professionals, one of the things that I find prevents them from really charging what they're worth is their own sense of worthiness. So how much money have you saved or made for your clients over the years? If you were to put a number on it, in the aggregate, all of the advice, the guidance that you've spent delivering or dispensing to your clients, how much has that helped them save or make? Think about that. If you've gotten a letter of recommendation or a testimonial for anything that you've done, let's read those and let's read those often. If you really wanna feel good about yourself, ask one of your best clients why they work with you. Your clients know exactly the reasons why they like working with you. If you ask them, you will never feel better about yourself than when you hear those answers because they're gonna tell you things that you didn't even think of. You're providing value to your clients in ways that you have not yet imagined. So if you sit down on a Zoom call or even on the telephone with one of your clients and you say, listen, Joe, I've been doing some exercises lately um, you can even blame me. This guy, Dave Lorenzo, who I work with, has, has got me doing some exercises about my business. And I feel a little funny asking you this, but I got to ask it anyway. Why do you work with me? What are some of the reasons why the relationship we have is valuable to you? This is important to me because I'm working on my marketing. Your clients will know, and your clients will be happy to tell you. So ask your clients why they work with you and see the boost that it gives you. How much is your happiness worth? This is a very interesting question. And it's something that I ponder all the time. So think about it this way. I'm going to put it in very, um, very basic uh, terms, right? A lot of you who are with me today are car people. You like cars. You like nice cars. You like fancy cars. I'm more of a travel person, so I'll give you my perspective on this in a moment. But if you're a car person, how much is it worth for you to get in a top-of-the-line BMW or a top-of-the-line Mercedes? If you're a car person, you get in a, an S550, forget about, or, or you know, if you could afford it, a, a Maybach, right? You get in, you sit in that car, and you just feel different. And you've invested in that vehicle because it makes you happy. Now you may justify it in a whole bunch of rational ways, right? The craftsmanship of the vehicle, the fact that it's going to 
help you get clients because clients are going to view you as successful. It's also going to break down a lot less. You're going to be able to uh, pull up to charity events in style, whatever. It doesn't matter. The real reason, <clears throat> pardon me, the real reason you've invested in that vehicle is because it makes you happy. It's because it makes you feel good. So you can put a price on that happiness, on that experience. And I think it's fine for you to do that. My, the way that I phrase it is because I'm not, I'm not really a huge car guy. I've, I've you know, I, I, I drive a better car now than I did 10 years ago just because I, you know, maybe I, maybe I have invested more in my happiness in that area, but I'm very much a better travel experience person. I, all the time, always invest in the first class ticket versus the coach ticket just because of the way I feel and the way and the experience that that gives me. So I can very much put a price on my happiness in that situation. And here's the reason why I ask you this question. If you can spend a couple of extra bucks to make yourself feel better about what you're doing, about your life, and if that increases your performance or enhances your performance in any way, you should invest that money. That is the best money you will ever invest. Something that helps you strengthen your self-esteem is worth the investment. Now, before you go out and like, you know, buy, uh, you know, uh, another home and convert it to your man cave so you can get away from your family and that makes you happy, I, I need you to have the right perspective about this, right? So investing in little things that increase your happiness will definitely increase your self-esteem. Investing in things that make you broke is only going to serve to reinforce guilt. So invest in ways that will enhance your happiness because that's a great way to strengthen your self-esteem. The final question I want you to ask yourself related to worthiness is what are you most proud of? When you think of the things that you're most proud of, whether they're family related or business related, when you think of those things, I want you to think back that you created that out of, out of your, uh, you created that out of your participation in the scenario. So if you're most proud of the children that you've raised, you did that. So you need to take credit for that. So think of the thing you're most proud of, take credit for it, and that will enhance your worthiness. All of this is a way to subconsciously bolster how you're going to approach your structure of your fees, how you're going to approach how you present yourself to clients. All of this is important to the healthy mental makeup that we call self-esteem. Ah, other people. So we start with the premise that most people have good intentions. Even people you think, I need you to excuse my French on this one, even people that you think are assholes, at some point they've had good intentions for your relationship. Okay, they just have strayed into an area where something about the situation or about what's going on between the two of you makes them feel threatened right now, and that's presenting itself in you know asshole type tendencies. So, 
start with the premise that most people have good intentions most of the time. When people are a jerk to you, a jerk is a better word, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I offended anyone, jerk is a better word. When, when people are a jerk to you, you have to realize they don't know the real you and their behavior is more about them than it is about you. If they knew who you really were, they wouldn't be acting this way. And people gravitate toward you when they can see the good in you. So my dad has this expression and he says, when people are nasty to you, you gotta kill them with kindness. And let me tell you, growing up, I hated that freaking expression because it was so much more satisfying to be a jerk right back. It's so much harder to be kind to people who are, who are jerks to you. But if you overreact with kindness, you will not only find that people who are assholes to you tend to turn it around and gravitate toward you, but everyone else who's involved in your sphere of influence with this other person will gravitate toward you. And this is particularly true on social media. There was, I, put, I put up a couple of posts a few weeks ago. Uh, subsequently, I've taken them down because I, it was just a rabbit hole. I, I couldn't continue to go down. And they were related to politics. And people took differing opinions of what I posted. And some of them were a little nasty. And I turned around. And even in some of the more out there, let's say, I don't want to say ridiculous because you know people's beliefs are their beliefs. But even in some of the more, more difficult to prove assertions, I treated people with respect. Even when they were kind of jerky to me. I treated them with dignity and respect when I responded to them. And people on the comment thread remarked about how I responded to the other folks and not about the points we were trying to make. And this is exactly what I'm trying to convey to you now. I don't want you to hang around with jerks, but if you can't help but connect with a jerk in some way, shape, or form because they're part of the same circle of influence that you are, kill them with kindness and see if that turns the situation around. But know that even if it doesn't turn the other person around, the people who are part of your circle will appreciate that in you and you'll become more magnetic as a result. Remember, the goodness is always there. Everything about you that's good is always there. These people just can't or don't see it. The jerks, they just can't or don't see it. They're choosing not to. Your feelings about yourself are far more important than others' feelings about you. So regardless of what somebody says to you, and this is, you know, Miami traffic is, uh, having grown up in New York, I got to tell you, the drivers in Miami are terrible. They're even worse than drivers in New York. The only place drivers are worse than Miami that I've ever experienced is Massachusetts. But drivers in Miami will flip you off and curse you out for no apparent reason at all. And if you were to ever let that bother you, you would never be able to get through the day. That's how you have to think about other people who critique you or other people who are just jerks to you in any instance. Your feelings about yourself are more important than how that guy who just passed you on the road feels about you. All right, define success. I think the last exercise I have for you today you're looking back over your life. You're 103 years old. What does success look like to you in a family setting? 
How will you know you're successful? I will know, I want you to write this phrase down. Family equals, I will know when I, I, I will know I am successful when, and finish the phrase related to your family. From a spirituality setting, I will know I am successful when, and then finish it related to your spirituality. Community. It can be any community you choose. It can be your, the legal community. It can be your local community, your neighborhood. I will know I am successful when, you know, the people of Miami Beach erect a statue in my honor, whatever. <clears throat> I want you to define success. Business. I will know I am successful when, and then answer it related to business. Health. I will know I am successful when I can run a half marathon. I will know I am successful when my cholesterol gets down below 180. Whatever, whatever your definition of success is. And by the way, this is not, this is for this point in time. You may look at this a week from now and your definition of success in each of these areas may change. You may look at this a year from now and I would be surprised if your definition of success in each of these areas didn't change. But writing your definition of success in each of these areas is important because when you achieve them, you'll feel good. And if you haven't set some sort of a goal for success in each of these areas, you will have nothing to shoot for. Oh, and overall happiness. So, you know, I work with so many people who say to themselves, well, if I could just make $20,000 a month, I'd be happy. Or if I could just make $100,000 a month, I'd be happy. I don't want your, your definition of success as it relates to happiness to be monetary. Monetary is fine in a business setting. That's okay. But when it comes to happiness, think about what's made you happy in the past and think about how you will know you're successful in achieving your own personal happiness. All right. Ignoring critics and negative people. We kind of touched on this on Tuesday, but I want to go through it again. When you get criticism from someone else and it's unsolicited, you got to realize it's all about them. It's not about you. So my advice to you is to ignore unsolicited advice. You're here today because you want advice from me. So you should take everything I said to heart. That's kind of a joke, but it really isn't. When people give you unsolicited advice, throw it out. It's not, it's not good for you. The only exception is clients. If a client comes to you with some advice, I think you should consider it because they're paying you. Otherwise, unsolicited advice, throw it out. You, that's a typo. That, there's supposed to be a T in there. That's a Freudian slip. You can't fail without regret. Okay. I, well, I guess maybe you can't. Oh, sorry about that, guys. You can fail without regret, but your regrets may be things that you put behind you rather quickly when you succeed. So you can fail without, I guess I, guess I can leave it. You can fail without regret. You can make something happen in your life and have things that didn't quite go your way that you're not thrilled about, and you don't have to regret them. Number three, no matter what has happened, someone has recovered from this predicament. 
And I can tell you that the, the 10 of you that are with me today, I've worked with people who've done things that are far more stupid than the stupidest thing you've ever done, okay? I've worked with people who have gotten themselves into situations that are far more ridiculous than any situation you've ever gotten yourself in. And guess what? These people have recovered. So no matter what has happened, there's somebody out there that has done something worse and succeeded in spite of that. Keep that in mind. Be honest with yourself. You know, the best players in baseball get hits three times out of every 10 at-bats. You got to be honest with yourself. And when something isn't going well, you got to feel free to abandon it. Feel free to let it go. Feel free to move on. There's nothing that says you need to stick with something that's failing. Give yourself permission to move on. And then thick skin. You know, I, I got an email today from somebody that kind of hit me right in the stomach. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe I should do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And then as I reflected on it right before I came on this presentation today, I realized that the best thing I can do is aggressively work to make my business and my life better. And that will be the best revenge. So those are some thoughts on self-esteem. And I share them with you as somebody who's been working on this myself and continue to work on this myself. Um, I also share those, share them with you as somebody who's been through this with other people over and over again. That'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo, and I'm thrilled that you joined me today. Thanks for stopping by. Remember, if you want to drop in on two meetings just like this every week, join us in my inner circle business development community. Go to joindavelorenzo.com. That's joindavelorenzo.com. If you go there now, you'll save $1,000, but you have to join us before the end of the month. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and until tomorrow, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life. We'll see you right back here again for another edition of the Inside BS Show. I want to see you back here tomorrow so that you and I can be together on the inside. <laughs>